Let's open our Bibles. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to talk about light today. Let's look at verse 13 to, to verse 16 again. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. Dan Kinnaman shared with us last week, and what a, a great message, you know, the fact that salt brings flavor, and that wherever we go, the, you know, that, that, that we can bring flavor. And, and he talked about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How these things working in our lives, we go and we bring the flavor. You, he says, are the salt of the earth. And we need to get out of the salt shaker. We get here together, uh, you know, on Sunday mornings, but, you know, uh, for the majority of the time, we're out there somewhere, right? I mean, I spend a lot of time here in this building, but most of us are out there somewhere, out of the salt shaker. And we're just like a salt shaker. God can shake us up and get us out there. I like that imagery. Another thing about salt is that it's a preservative. And, and this, is, this one you have to think about, that the presence of believers, the presence of Christians in the world is, is kind of like a, a preserving effect. That God has us here to kind of preserve what, what good, if any, is still there to prevent decay. They would salt the meat. They didn't have refrigeration like we have today. They would salt the meat to keep it from going bad. And are we having that effect around us? Are we bringing that kind of purifying, preserving? Another thing about salt that I'll add is that it makes people thirsty. You know, when you, you know, salt is good. It brings a lot of flavor, but when you use a lot of salt, it makes you like really thirsty, right? And salt should have that effect, and we should have that effect to make people thirsty for the truth, for God Himself. I don't think that there's any greater compliment, or I don't know if you want to use the word compliment, for somebody to say, you know, whatever it is that is going on in your life, I want some of that. That's when they start to get thirsty, and, and the salt that's in us, people see it it's like something different about you, something different, and I want that, what you have. I don't think there's anything greater than that kind of a, a statement made to us. Of course, then we go, then we get nervous, like, well, now what do I do? You know. The next image that we're going to talk about, and this is what I want to focus on today, is that of light. Dan, he touched on it briefly. Uh, him and I have talked about it since then, and, and he mentioned that Jesus was the light of, Jesus said that he was the light of the world, and then it says here that, that we, you and I, are the light of the world. And so he kind of ran out of time, but I'd like to expand on this theme because it's such a big one, and it keeps getting repeated over and over again in the, in the New Testament, in the whole of the Bible, really, this idea of light and darkness. Light symbolizes a few things. Probably more than this, of course, but light symbolizes purity, it symbolizes truth, it symbolizes the presence of God. And so darkness is kind of like the opposite, it, it symbolizes impurity and, and lies and deception and the absence of God, the darkness where God is not you know, active in a certain area. 
We saw back in chapter 4 when Jesus came, it says that he came and, and the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow, in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned that when Jesus came, this great light came. Light came into the world that was full of darkness. People were living in darkness and, and Jesus came and made a huge difference. And, and I don't know about you, but Jesus came into my life and he made a huge difference from the darkness that I knew. From the darkness that I, you know, you don't know that it's darkness until you experience the light, but I was in some serious darkness. But Jesus came in and it, and it was like completely different. It was like your eyes are opened and the light came, the light shining on those living in the shadow in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The Bible talks about the fact in 1 John that God is what? Light. It talks about part of his very nature is light. And, and it says that in him is there, there is no darkness whatsoever. When you look at the Bible from beginning to end, from the first chapter to the very last chapter, this picture of light connected with God is there. In chapter 1 it says God said what? Let there be light, because there, were, there was no light. And when God said, let there be light, there was light. And then in, in the book of Revelation, in the last two chapters, really, it says this, that the city, and speaking of the heavenly city, it says that the, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its light. That Jesus himself is the light, and then in the last chapter of the Bible, it says there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. This idea of light is huge throughout the whole of the Bible. The light connected with the presence of God. He is the light. So Jesus came and we, we heard Dan talk about it that Jesus came and he said that he was the light of the world in John chapter 8. He is the light of the world. So the question, and I was just talking about myself, have, have you and I come to the light? Have we found the light? Now, I'm not talking about some kind of, you know, esoteric or some kind of weird thing, you know, the light. You know, uh, these people, they, they saw the light kind of thing, you know, or, or they had this near-death experience and there was a light there, you know. I'm talking about Jesus himself. Not just some, you know, rays of light. You, you know what I'm saying? you get the distinction I'm talking about here? It's not just a, a brightness. Although when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, it says that he, he was glowing, he was so bright, but it was still Jesus, you see. It was him. It wasn't just some force or just some, you know, light source. But it was Jesus himself. So the question is, have you and I, you know, do we have that light in our lives? Do we have Jesus Christ himself in our lives? You and I, Jesus, the light of the world. David, you know, kind of looking, you know, in his life and kind of looking ahead to Jesus, of course, in the, the presence of God in his own life, he said, you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord turns my darkness into light. You are my lamp. Do we have that lamp in our own lives? It's got to start here because, you know, as we get to, the, to the, the message of this passage is if we have no light, how can we give out any light? If we don't have anything to give, what can we give? 
God is light and Jesus is the light of the world, the Bible says. So Jesus said in John chapter 9, he said this, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He said that in John chapter 9. John chapter 8 is when he said, I am the light of the world. So he said, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then now we're reading here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, it says what? You are the light of the world. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Jesus said he was the light of the world, but while he was in the world, he'd be the light of the world. And now he's saying to his disciples, you are the light of the world. And, and this, you know, I, thinking about this, you are the light of the world? Me? You know, think about for yourself. I'm the light of the world. I am the, I am the light of the world? That's kind of a tall bill to fill, isn't it? And you might just say, well, you know what, I, I just forget it, you know. But I think we, we need to understand what he's talking about here and what he's saying to you and to me. When we think about it in this, in terms of the word light, that Jesus was like a capital L, and you, are, you and I are like little L's. Okay? He is the light. He is the light, the light source. You and I, really, we have no light of our own, do we? And really what it is is that we're like light bulbs. Some of us need to be changed. It may take a bunch of people, a few people, whatever it is. You know, we need, we need to be like light bulbs, but we don't have the power source. Until you plug that light bulb into the wall and, and get the electricity running through it, there's nothing shining through. You and I might be like light bulbs, but there's nothing shining through until we're connected to the source. Jesus said, abide in me, and I abide in you, and, and things will come out of your life. Good things will happen. We're like light transmitters, another analogy, where we like reflect his light. It's like the sun and the moon. Well, the moon doesn't have any light of its own, does it? The moon is, is a reflector of the light of the sun, and, and that's really like you and I. But there has to be... You know, and it depends on, of course, the, the, the planets, and I'm not a real astronomy kind of guy, but the, the lining up of the planets determines how, <clears throat> excuse me, how much light that the moon is going to emit, right? If, what is it, if the earth is in between the sun and the moon, right, you get nothing, right? right. Is that how it works? Do any of you know anything about this? Hello? When the light is shining directly on the moon, it's like a full moon, and we're going like, wow, look how bright that is. You see, there's this there's unobstructed uh, connection between the sun and the moon. And isn't that just like our lives? When we've got this you know, great relationship going on with Jesus and, and he, Him being the light source, and we're, having, you know, we're walking with Him, it's like, man, there's like Jesus you know, in our lives. And people can see it, and the light is there. It's like a full moon, but there's sometimes when there, there's like a lot of stuff in between, right? A lot of obstructions in between us and Him. And they're like maybe, maybe seeing a tiny sliver. You know, when you look up at the moon, sometimes you see that little sliver and, and, and you go, well, it's sort of like there's a moon there. And then sometimes you can't like, where's the moon? It's not even there. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Sometimes we're brighter than other times, aren't we? You are the light of the world, he says. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. A few verses I want to look at there in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
and verse 18. Chapter, eight, chapter 3, verse uh, 18, 2 Corinthians says, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's just what, that's just what we're talking about here, that as we have unveiled faces, nothing in between us and the Lord, it, you know, His glory, His uh, brightness, His light shining upon us. And, and people see it. When Moses went up on the mountain, what happened to him? When he came down the mountain, they said, wow, man, would you swallow some radioactive element or something? He was like glowing. There was something about him. They're going like, what's up with this guy? And he had, it was kind of like too bright, right? And they had to like cover him up, like cover him up. But... You know, it was because he was having this relationship with God and God was doing something in his life. And here it says that we're being transformed. We're being changed into his likeness to be like Jesus. His light shining into our lives, coming out of our lives, but it's also changing us. Being transformed into his likeness as we spend time with him. And look at chapter 4 as well in verse 6 there in 2 Corinthians it says, for God who said, let, sh- let light shine out of darkness, or let there be light, he says, he made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Shining into our lives. This is the God that, that says to you and to me, you are the light of the world. But he, he gives us the light. He's shining into our lives. Oh, we don't see light, maybe. We don't see any kind of brightness, maybe. We just, we're, we're just being ourselves. We're spending time with him. We're praying. We're reading our Bibles. We're listening to the word. We're in fellowship. And we don't necessarily you know, see any kind of bright things happening. And maybe sometimes we think, you know, nothing's really happening in my life. But, but you see, that's his responsibility, right? to work in us, to transform us. And when people, people can see things that sometimes we can't see in ourselves, that, that there's something different about you, and it, it's not you, but it's something different, and it's, it's, it's Jesus, the light of Jesus, the light, His light shining in our hearts, shining upon us, and it shows. It shows. I want more of, more of Him. It, it goes back to those words that uh, we read and in, in, in that Tony mentioned again, uh, hungering and thirsting for righteousness back in chapter 5. Let's turn back to chapter 5. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. He says they will be filled, wanting more of Him in my life. Wanting more of Him. Look what it says there. He says in, in verse 14, chapter 5 again, It says that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill cannot be hidden as we spend time with him. As these things happen, it's it's that it shows it, it can't be hidden. A city, you know, like Jerusalem is up on a hill and and you you come from below and you can see us, 
you know, the city up there on the hill, and, and you can't hide it. There's no way to hide it. And when God is really doing something in our lives, it can't be hidden, you see. It can be seen from far away. And so we really can't hide what we are, but we try, don't we, sometimes? We try. I believe this truth that, that there are, you know, there's no place for secret agent Christians. Secret agent Christians. How many of us are like that? Well, I'm a Christian, and, but, you know, it's my relationship, and I, you know. Well, if people don't see anything in your life, even if you don't say a word, is there really something going on? Is there really any light happening there? Someone said this, that there can be no such thing as secret discipleship, for either the secrecy destroys the discipleship, or the discipleship destroys the secrecy. And what he means by that is that if you're keeping it secret, it, you know, there's probably not a lot going on there and, and, and probably not ha a lot happening. And the secrecy itself is, is going to you know, undermine any relationship you have with God. But if you've got that relationship and discipleship, the secrecy is going to be thrown out because a city on a hill cannot be hidden. If there's something going on in Eliza, it cannot be hidden. Barclay said this, that our Christianity should be visible in all the activities of our lives, not just in church, just as much as a, a Christian wherever we are, as much as we are in church. So on the job, at school, in the home, wherever we are, at the store, with our neighbors, is there any kind of light there? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Me. I'm the light of the world. Now, we've already said it's not my light. It's not your light. It's his light. But, but, but you and I are the light of the world. I was thinking about this, uh, this idea of the fact, yes, it is his light. But he says, you are the light of the world. Because in, in essence, it becomes our light. It's his light, but it becomes our light through relationship through spending time with Him. It becomes our light. It becomes who we are. We do be, become transformed. Light is meant to be seen, to spread. Look at verse 15. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. You are the light of the world. It can't be hidden. It's got to spread. You don't hide it. You don't put it down. You don't, you know... Uh, you're not ashamed of what God is doing in your life. This is a big one, you know. We're, we're so, so often we're scared and we're even kind of ashamed. Like, we don't want to say anything about Jesus to people around. We don't want to offend them. Well, you know, there should be something coming out of us, but, but it's not just the words you say. It's not just the light on you, but it's also the deeds, as we'll see in the last verse. But, but it's a whole picture. It's a whole package, really, of Jesus working in us and through us. But there is nothing to be ashamed of. That's the enemy who lies to you and to me and says, you know what? Don't tell anybody that you're a Christian. They're going to think you're weird. They're going to think you're like a Jesus freak or something like that. You know, we're, we're kind of like that, aren't we? How many of you, don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you think you know, are afraid to tell that guy that you work next to that you're a Christian? 
You're afraid you don't even want to bring your Bible in because they might see it or something. We had a great message at the conference I just went to. And uh, by the way, I meant to, uh, to tell you that I saw Leon at the conference. Leon from Nicaragua. He was there for the first time. And uh, we, had a, we had a great uh, conversation. But we also talked, and, and Justin and I had talked previously about trying to get another trip to Nicaragua uh, together, maybe for the beginning of uh, two, uh, 2010. But we had a great message there from a guy who, who talked in, out of 2 Timothy about the fact of being unashamed. Unashamed. And the three things he was talking about, one is unashamed of the message, the gospel. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Not ashamed of the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died upon the cross for our sins, that he was, that he was put in the grave. And that he rose from the dead. Not ashamed of that. Not ashamed of that because it, it's changed my life. I can't be ashamed of that. He said he was unashamed also of the calling that God had placed in his life. Whatever God has called you to do. Unashamed of that. They were talking to pastors, of course. But to be unashamed that I'm called to be a, a servant of God. Whatever that might be in your case. And then unashamed of, of the fact of that, that, that we know him. That we know him. Uh, a long time ago, I saw the movie Elf. Do you remember the movie Elf? Some yeah. of you have seen it? You know? And the, the big guy, he says, you know, uh, he saw Santa over at Gimbel's uh, down in New York City, and he said, I know him. You know, he was excited about it. I know him, he said. And then he found out it was the fake Santa. It wasn't, you know, you smell like, you know, beef and cheese or something. It wasn't really Santa. But the fact of the matter is he got excited. I know him. And, and, and Jesus, you and I know him. We have a relationship. And are we ashamed of the fact that we know him? Is it something we're afraid to tell people? I, I know him. I know who he is. It says in, uh, it says in <clears throat> 2 Timothy, he says, I am not ashamed because, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. I'm not ashamed because I know him. I know him and I'm not ashamed to let you know that I know him. They're going to say, well, you know, well, that's going to sound weird for me to say that I know Jesus, that I know him. Well, you either do or you don't. You either do know him or you don't know him. You either do have a relationship with him or you don't have a relationship with him. But if you do, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing at all to be ashamed of. The enemy wants us to cower in fear. The enemy wants us to be ashamed. You know what? Don't be ashamed of the fact that you know him. Don't be ashamed of the fact of the gospel of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of what he's called you to do and, and you're doing it and you're doing it with confidence and courage. I want to tell you, you know, I get beat down sometimes and the, the enemy wants to just beat me down and take away any confidence and courage. But you know what? He wants us to stand and do what he's called us to do and not be ashamed of it. Not be ashamed in the least bit. That's part of the light coming out of us. Look at verse 16. It says, in the same way, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. 
when he says that, he says first in verse 14, you are the light of the world. And then in verse 16, he says, let your light shine. So it kind of tells me that we have some choice in the matter, do we not? We have a choice in the matter whether we let that light shine or we don't let it shine. We can try to cover it up. We can try to hide it. That little children's song that, that uh, we sing, you know, let, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let's all sing that together. Let's all hold hands and sing. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Some of you have been to Sunday school. You know what goes on back there. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. No, I'm going to let it shine. You know the song? Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. Made me think, I was thinking about lights and, and light bulbs and all that stuff. And you know, like, uh, you know, the, the, the traffic signals, you got to look at this next time. You maybe never saw the transition, but the tr they transition from one big light bulb, right? How many of you noticed this? One big light bulb, and now it's like, uh, like a hundred or a couple hundred of little LED lights now. You look at them, you see. So it's a whole bunch of lights shining together to make that one light. And for you and I to shine, let our light shine. Yeah, we may be a little weak light, but when you put a bunch together too, and that's one of the reasons we have fellowship, so we can kind of work together and, and serve together, and, and together we can make a difference. You and I, but, but each one of us, we have the little light. And, and you look at the traffic light and you see, you know, here and there, some that aren't out. You can tell still that it's green or red. And when it, it's red, that means stop, by the way. But there are a few maybe that aren't working. And if all of them start to go out, it's not going to be effective. But, but we need to, you know, replace those and get those, those ones that are, that are not working back in there. He says, let your light shine. Peter said, live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Jesus here, he said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's got to do not just, again, with the words that we say, not just with how we maybe our appearance, but but the fact of the way we live our lives as well. Now, don't start to say, well, is this a, you know, are we getting into a whole system of works now? No, we're not saved by what we do. It says in Ephesians, right? That we're saved by what? Grace through faith, and that not of ourselves is the gift of God, not of works. Why? So that none can boast, so that no one may boast. We're not saved by works at all. But he goes on in the next verse to say that, that God has prepared works for us to do. You know, maybe you don't read that verse, Ephesians 2.10. That's, we quoted 2, 2, 8, and 9, and we know what those verses say. But in verse 10 it says, but God has prepared works for us to do because we're saved. Jesus said here, let your light shine in, and the good deeds, the way you live, uh, the, the, the goodness. And, and Peter says, live such good lives that, that they'll see John Wesley, he, he had this little uh, saying. 
He says, do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. Do all the good you can. Do we have some kind of an idea that, that we want to do the right thing? We want to do the good in this world by our lives. And people will see it and they say, wow, what's up with you? Someone said, few things are as contagious as radiant Christian living. It says there is a clarion call for the influence of sincere Christianity. What's going on? Where are all the Christians? Someone, someone else said that sociologists who studied who studies people, he was at the University of California, he said he was looking at the influence of religion on the community, and, and he had an interview in Psychology Today, and he said, we should not underestimate the significance of the small group of people who have a new vision of a just and gentle world. The quality of a culture may be changed when 2% of its people have a new vision. But John Stott goes on to say about this quote, he says, there are many more than 2% Christian Christians in your country and mine. He says, then why aren't we having more effect? Why aren't we having more influence? I pray that God will call you to permeate non-Christian society for Christ, to take your stand there uncompromisingly with the value system and the moral standards of Jesus. Jesus in our lives. Jesus in the world. You and I making a difference. You and I shining the light. You and I living for Jesus Christ in this world. It makes a difference and it matters. He says, let people see your good deeds. And the last thought there is that as they see the way you and I live, it says they would praise our Father in heaven. They would say, wow, what is it? but ultimately would go to who? To the Father in heaven. The glory would go to him. The glory goes to him. We draw attention to him and not to us. You know, we get a little confused about that sometimes because we are sinful human beings, right? And we, when we live good and we do good things, we want to say, well, yeah, you know, yeah, you know. I am doing a pretty good job with it. And pride comes before destruction, and haughty spirit before a fall, and it, it falls apart. But we need to keep in mind that we're doing this with the strength of Jesus. We're doing it for him. We're doing it in him and through him. Will we have opposition? Yes. The enemy wants to fight against us, to snuff us out. The enemy, it says, he's blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. It says that he he masquerades as an angel of light. He tries to to give, uh, you know... Uh, inferior substitutes. But Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men. His light in us. I got two passages I want to close with. First, Philippians chapter 2, and then Ephesians chapter 5. Philippians chapter 2, and the book just before it, Ephesians chapter 5. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. This is kind of interesting when you look at what he's saying here. 
verse 14, he says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. He says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Man, that's like default mode, isn't it? (laughs) Complaining and arguing. We complain about everything. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. We want to argue about things. But he says, through that, light comes, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. And then back in Ephesians chapter 5, Verse 8, and this kind of sums it all up, really. He says, for you were once darkness. Not only did we live in the darkness, but we were dark. But he says, now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Let your light shine. He says, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. We were once darkness, but we're now light in the Lord. Live as children of light. I like the way Dan was talking about last week. You know, we... You know, people, you know, look at us. They're watching us. They're reading us. They're, they're seeing what kind of people we really are. And then we tell them we're Christians, but yet our lives don't reflect it at all. And they say, yeah, right. I remember a friend of mine, uh, you know, said the same kind of thing uh, about somebody he saw at a party. And this guy, they were partying it up. And, and the guy told him, yeah, I'm a Christian. And, you know, they're passing the, the marijuana around. I'm a Christian, he says. And he says, yeah, right, you are. Yeah, you're down at the club, partying it up, getting smashed. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, right, you are. We're getting involved in things we shouldn't be involved in. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, right, you are. Live, he says, as children of light. Live as children of light. Let your light shine, his light in us, that people would see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. That's what we would desire. That quote that says, uh, only, what's, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. To live as children of light to affect someone else's eternal situation. Be light in the Lord. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you that you have opened our eyes to the light of the truth of Jesus Christ that he is the light of the world, that he's the light of my world, that he's the light within my very heart shining. But Lord, you've also given us this charge now to be the light of the world, not just the light in the church, but the light of the world. God, we, we, we feel very um, in, incapable. We feel very uh, you know, unable to do this, Lord. So Lord, we pray that, that you would that you would work in us, Lord, as we spend time with you to, to make your light just you know, become visible in us. Lord, we can't even live 
as children of light without your help, Lord. So we pray you'd help us to maybe make changes that we need to make changes. Help us to, to get rid of things we need to get rid of. Help us to get rid of those distractions or those uh, barriers in between us and you that, that cause our light to be so dim. That little sliver of a moon. Lord, we can't do it without you, but, but, but the truth is also that we can do all things through you who gives us the strength. And we can be light in the world through you who gives us the strength and the light. So, Father, we go. We go with you and we go with your help and with your strength to be those lights in the world. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.